Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Mi gente, welcome to Hello Latino. So excited for y'all to hear and meet Elizabeth Molina, a Caribbean South American beauty mentor, TEDx speaker, and model. In this episode, we talk about what it's like to be a Latina woman, about body and image, and how beauty makes you feel. I'm sure every Latina in their life has heard the saying, La Viesa Cuesta, beauty is pain. In this episode, we'll unpack what that meant for Elizabeth growing up and how she's now redefining the why behind beauty practices. You'll also hear about her experience growing up Dominican and Peruvian, her survival story, and why she created the Molina Glow. Que disfruten y'all. I met Elizabeth on Clubhouse. <laughs> the new the new platform everybody's on um but let me tell you girl i remember listening to you i can't i jumped on and and someone invited me to be like a speaker and then i heard you talk about how it was to navigate your identity like mm -hmm. being i think you i remember you saying caribbean and south american and yeah. kind of talked a little bit about that and i was just like oh my god yes like snaps to everything she's saying because that's literally why I created this platform because so many of us go through these experiences but like how often do we have a platform to talk about it or how often do we have spaces where we can vulnerably tell our story and be vulnerable right about what we've been through and so that's why I created this platform and that's why I was like oh I need to connect with her I need to have her on here <laughs> she's already out here talking about this um so just let me just tell you, like, thank you. Thank you for being so vulnerable, like, and sharing your story, not only on Clubhouse, but also on that TED Talk, which we'll touch on later. But just happy that you're here. <laughs> thank you for having me. I remember. I remember exactly that conversation, actually, because um, after I brought that up, everyone had, like, this very similar story. And I was like, whoa, I'm not alone because mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. thought it was. And there's, like... I don't know if we're going to hop into it right away, but there's like a big thing with like, first of all, Hispanics or Latinos in general, right? And then there's like segregations of like waves of it. Like there's Caribbean, Central, South. And then like, there's like, people don't know this. Like even within our own culture, there are like different kinds of like, I don't want to call them statuses, but like just some um, groups that people kind of stay away from or maybe frown upon or think like you're too good or you're not good enough, which is really unfortunate. Um, so I have like the Caribbean side that's like usually known to have more flavor, more fun. They're always like, you know, there's a lot of sun in the Caribbean, so everyone's happy. Um, and then I have like the South American side, which in my opinion, it's always like more proper, more education, more reserved. Um, more etiquette not that the caribbean side doesn't have it but there's like the caribbean side is more welcoming i think and the south american side is like very strict and proper and poised and so like coming from those worlds i was kind of rejected from both worlds because it was like you're too proper here and then it was like you're not proper enough here and i was like wait what what's going on but i'm both so mm -hmm. yeah i remember that conversation Girl. in that room that's such an interesting point too. And like, just to add on to that, like not only is there these different, I don't know what to call it either. Like silos, like Caribbean versus like yeah. central, like Central American. And like my family's from Honduras. Right. And this happens even in our own countries because in Honduras, my family's from the Caribbean side from La Costa. Mm -hmm. So they they say the same thing. Right? Like, we're just happy people. We're like, go with the flow. We're like welcoming. Somos alegres. And then they're like, but las la personas del monte, del capital, 
Mm-hmm. No, they're different. They yeah. think they're like too much. We say a saying, um, what do they say? <laughs> so funny. They're like, come, come, po- come frijol y caga pollo, which is like they... <laughs> So weird. Like but basically it means like they eat like like us but they think they're like all that and Got they it. they're yeah. like classy i don't know why they use that phrasing but whatever <laughs> but, America. yeah but it's i mean it's really interesting right that even in our own country sometimes depending where it's located it can be that same segregation like within the countries it's like no we're from the coast and y'all y'all do you <laughs> Yeah, it's like a stereotype slash like segregation within everybody's comfort zones, I feel like. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. that. And then I think that there's like a big, I mean, we can get into these conversations, right? Like I love talking about this. Uh, I mean, girl, I welcome it. This is what this whole pod is about. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much trauma and fear in our cultures. um, And I think that we have had to fight so hard on all aspects, on all different fronts, talking about like even when, you know, the Spanish people came and they conquered and then there was like all these mixes and that there's just so much preservation of culture. And um, also I wanna say like, like not decolonization, but there's just such a mix. And I think everyone's holding on to some part of their identity that it's so hard for them to be like inclusive. And so like, that's a way to protect. But at the same time, you're also like, keeping people away like your mm-hmm. own people so i think it's mm-hmm. just like a defense mechanism that like we haven't really even like touched upon yet like we can't even verbalize it yet because we haven't gotten there i think no no we definitely haven't and i talk about this all the time how latinos have a lot of nationalism 100 percent, because like it, when you think about it so much has been taken from the Hispanic Latin culture, right? From like when we were natives and then people keep kept on coming in waves of trying to civilize us, right? Like we were savages and air quotes, right? Like, and so like, there's just so much that I think it's really, I like, I think about this myself with my own family. I'm like, what are, where is everyone fighting for? Like, what are you fighting for? And then I realized like, this must be like some kind of generational, like they don't even know, like they don't know why they're doing it. They're just like protecting something like that's invisible almost. And I'm like, oh, I think. And then I start thinking about all the stuff that may have happened in the past, like hundreds of years ago. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. If I take that scenario and I bring it here and they don't even know that they're doing it. That's the funny part. No, it's so interesting. And like, just one more thing on this topic. Mm -hmm. While I was talking about this actually with my dad, my dad's very open about talking just just like I dating with me, like, let's just yeah. talk about it. Yeah, it, you know, and he, he talks about it too, being from La Costa They're from everyone else's eyes, they're seen as like, kind of similar to Caribbeans, right? Like savages and just like, they're not civilized and esto y el otro. And my dad talks about, there is a portion in Honduras called Santa Barbara, where everyone's like, blonde hair and blue eyes and like light skin Mm -hmm. and if you ask them they're they don't even say they're Honduran they're like we're from Santa Barbara and like that that's how they identify themselves because they're super proud of being from that place yeah and my dad's like everybody he's like everybody in this country in like Honduras and probably any other country there's places where people don't like identifying with other people because they're like well we're the best right (laughs) so even thinking about that is just like oh my god like everybody's going through it every same thing yeah same thing in south america and peru it's like no like my mom is from peru and so it's like no i'm from lima or i'm from like then they start going into like the mountains and everybody's like so ashamed then they make fun of each other and i'm just like it doesn't matter but you all look alike so (laughs) right it's like come on (laughs) well on that topic though how do you Mm -hmm. identify and and why so i i first of all i'm first generation Mm -hmm. so i identify this is a very hard question i've listened to your podcast and i I know that you asked this and i'm like what do i identify as um and i think my early years of life i always identified as like a latina hispanic right and then growing up I went to like boarding schools. I went to schools where I was the only Latina in, <laughs> and so that was really hard. And then I then they there I was like told all the time like you're not Hispanic, you're American, and I was like I'm American. Okay, yeah. They're like where were you born? I'm like in New York, 
um, from the United States. And they're like, yeah, so you're American. You're like not Latina, you're not Hispanic, you're American. And that's what America is. We are, and I was like, oh, okay, that's what I am. And then going to like different schools, I went with this like American pride. Like I went to schools where we had like the football team, the bonfires, like what you see on TV. I was like, wow, okay, cool. And then I went to different schools and then they were like, what do you mean you're American? You're not proud to be a Latina, you're Hispanic. Who told, do you have blonde hair, blue eyes? And I was just always like very confused because everywhere I went, it was like, no, you're not Hispanic. No, you're not American. No, you're not Latina. No, you're actually not Latina enough. And I'm, and I have very like mixed feelings about that. Like I'm trying to, even where you, so where I met you in the room, they were talking about, I had gone into a Dominican club and I said that I was half Dominican, half Peruvian, and it wasn't a nice club. <laughs> so when we, when you came on, they were talking about like what had happened in the club and how I felt and how people related to my story. And that's kind of the feeling that I've gotten. And so I've, I really, I have to say that I, I feel as like I am a Latina first generation, like power warrior, but I still feel like I don't fit in in anywhere that I go, like in places, like in some clubs, right? Like I want to say clubhouse, right? Like I'm not Caribbean enough, right? Or I am not South American enough. And that concept still, and I'm just like wondering, I don't know if you've experienced this or people who are listening, but like, it's like, it's just really, really sad. Like we don't like, there's like Asian American, African American, there's like, but then that's it. Right. And then it's really hard to accept like Latin American or like, you know, first generation, like it's like it's just so hard when like the people, your people don't accept you and the country like also doesn't kind of accept you, but you were born here and you have ties to, to both all the sides. So it's really confusing. That's a long-winded question. Girl, answer, no, but- girl, that is that's so accurate though. I mean, this adds this question is always so interesting for me to ask because one, no one's ever answered the same. And two, okay. like you realize with every episode, like we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like even when they ask me, I'm like, well, okay, let me tell you the story. It's always a story, right? It's never like yeah. a straight, clear-cut answer because I think this goes back to our conversation earlier, but mm-hmm. even our own people, we struggle with identity. People who were born in Honduras, people who were born in Puerto Rico, and maybe they're so proud of being Hondureña, Puerto Rican, Cubana, Dominican. But when you think about it, there's also a lot of other things happening in our countries that we don't always talk about. Like yeah. my parents would always say we have sangre española, but when would they talk about their indigenous roots? Like almost never. Right. And so it's there's there's a other part of of what I feel my struggle with identity is that my own family members struggle with their own identity because right. of all of the oppression, the the people who would come in and try to civilize, right? People who took over the land. There's there's a sense of just like trauma there, right? It's like what yeah. what do my parents even identify? What, what are their indigenous roots? They they haven't even told me until recently when I asked them. I'm like, oh, we do have indigenous in us. Oh, that's cool. Like you guys never talked yeah. about that. They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, there's there's a sense of we don't know our identity because we're trying to navigate one part of us, Latinidad, right? That's already mm-hmm. so confusing because of all the things that have happened in our history and yeah. also our American side where we're trying to navigate what it means to be American and what does that even mean? And like, we don't have blue eyes and blonde hair, but is that what American means? Or like, is that what we think American means? You know, there's this whole like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I totally relate to that. And I think it's so funny that you brought that up that, you know, like every single Spanish person will say, well, I have Spanish blood, like European, like Spain, like, and it's like, you also have like maybe African blood. You also have maybe like Native American, like not Native American, but Native to like your indigenous country. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so interesting that you say that because everybody's claiming like this one percentage that we probably definitely all have a bit of right um, because that's the one that was like prized right and unfortunately you know in our cultures and i think like there's this big thing about race that's happening in america right now but i feel like this has been always the case especially in like latin american countries like i remember um 
when I lived in the Dominican Republic, the IDs, like this is like not that long ago. <laughs> it had like your shade color on there. Like it said mulatto, dark, white, um, like indigenous white. And I was like, what? And for me, I was, they, they had me as India slash like mix. And I was like, what is this? Like there was like literally, and everyone's ID would have like their color on there. And I was like, I've never seen that before ever. Wow. So I think that there's a big thing like, in, and, and also like, I know like in Peru, um, that there's like a lot of segregation with color, right? Like you're lighter, you're better, you're from a higher class. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. Like, it's not that I agree with it, but that's how it is. And like there are neighborhoods in Peru that are only for people of a certain background and like they don't mix and having curly hair isn't okay. And like, oh God, you know, like it's a, it's really, it's really crazy, but um, it's something that we've been seeing in our countries and no one speaks about it. And now like, you know, now there's something happening, but there's a big movement, I think, um, in terms of like identifying ourselves, like even like there was the thing about like, are you, um, um, especially for Caribbean countries, right? When they're talking about like, do you have African descent? And there's like a big fight about that. And everyone is like not wanting to identify, but then you're like eating plantains or yuca <laughs> that comes from, <laughs> right? you know, like African, that's, those are African foods. Mm -hmm. um, that are very delicious and I happen to like them. So, right. Yeah. Girl, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, this is something that I've, I've talked about with my parents before too, because I, I came out really tall and like really fair skin and my parents are both dark and they're shorter. <laughs> and we like talk about it all the time. I'm like, donde salio? you know, like, where did I come from? But they, they always used to tell me, especially my mom, she'd be like, sos bella, you're light skin. And like, she'd always say that. Like yeah. always. And I never understood what that meant until I started to understand and unpack. I'm like, oh, this is like deep. Like this is mm -hmm. really deep. And again, it's just unpacking identity, right? Like what do you identify as? And I eat the same thing. I eat yuca, platano. I, you know, we dance punta, which comes from Garifuna, which comes from our, our black community in Honduras. We have so much of their influence in our foods and our dance and our music. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that that's all that's all they'll never talk about those things they'll just say like oh yeah we dance punta we eat yuca we eat platano but again like yeah. it's it's so deep like they don't even realize yeah. they're doing it sometimes. no totally. like that's what i feel i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah totally this is this is a great com i've never ever had this conversation ever um and it's always like you're american and you're like exotic and that was it like you're exotic looking yeah girl okay i i remember the first time i got that i was like what does that mean and people it's so funny like people would guess what my ethnicity was because people didn't know they were like you kind of look egyptian i was like i don't even know what egyptians look like <laughs> <laughs> or they would say you look middle eastern or you like this or you like that and i would just kind of like, laugh do what do you want to laugh so girl. i did modeling for a long part of my life and as a model, right, I didn't have the American look, but I had these features and I had the height and there was something there. And so I would get casted for everything in India. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's so, it's so interesting. I'm just like, I mean, even thinking back to, is this like, I thought about this because I'm like, at one point in Middle East, like, were they a part of our history and our ancestry? Like, I don't know, like, because I don't really know a lot of our Latin American history. That's the thing that I, I realized, like, I don't know many Latin Americans or Hispanics or people from Spanish culture who can go back 100 years in their line. Unfortunately, like, we don't have that. Records were maybe not there, maybe burned. There were, like, lots of inquisitions. There were so many things that was erased from our culture that we don't know. We don't have that. I can't, I don't even know what my great-grandmother's name is. Yeah. That's, I don't know if that's sad or what do I say? Like, they can't remember. They can't find documents or it's like, oh, we migrated from here and then we went to there, but we don't know. And so, like, what's the story? And I have to tell you, I haven't met one Spanish person that doesn't have a similar story to mine. 
Yeah, I can completely agree. I never even met my grandparents because my parents had me at an older age and my grandparents unfortunately passed away on both sides. So I I can't even trace back to my grandparents. (laughs) I'm like, all I know is what I have, like my family and and being raised with them. Right. Which is just really interesting. And that's why I ask them so many questions. I'm like, tell me about, you know, mi abuelo, mi abuela. Or like, I ask them so many stories because what I'm also, what I also realized was they didn't have a lot of opportunities. One, I never really asked about our history, right? Because that wasn't something I thought about as a child. But the second thing is that my parents were always working. They were always out. They were like, you know, from from the la madrugada to like late at night. Yeah. I would be I was raised by my brothers and sisters, you know, and like they never really had time to sit down with us and like talk about our history. Because yeah, I, I've yet to have. so I'm like, there's two there's two realizations there, right? Where I'm like, I empathize with my parents because they didn't even have a chance to sit down and like sleep. <laughs> let alone right. like tell us our whole history mm-hmm. and two, like I also feel like there's a part of me where they wanted to kind of run away from all that because they weren't totally proud of where they came from and they yeah. wanted to start a new life here and a new generation right so I'm like yeah. there's so much that I'm realizing with time but I'm also I'm also noticing that they're so open to sharing I'm just asking them those questions like now they're like yeah let me tell you all the things <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good that they're able to tell you. I can't get a lot out of my father. Um, and now he has dementia, so that's not helpful. Oh, girl, I'm sorry. That's okay. I mean, it, it happens, right? But yeah. I'm like, now that I have the questions, he can't really remember much, like between the dementia and Alzheimer's. And I'm like, great, maybe I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, well, but- speaking... Speaking of yeah. you being, you know, your dad and your your parents, you know, being Dominican and being mm-hmm. Peruvian, Caribbean and South American, how was that like growing up? Like, did you grow up in a household where those two cultures were evident? Did you, like, how was that growing up? How was your upbringing? Oh, God. Um, Plus, too, which I know is heavy with, like, Latin diversity. <laughs> <laughs> Something that California lacks. <laughs> Oh, God. So, I mean, growing up in New York, right? I think, um, you know, it's really unfortunate because I never really knew my dad's side as much. They didn't really approve of my mom because she was South American and she, I guess, wasn't good enough for them. And then my mom's side, the Peruvian side, didn't approve of my dad because he was, you know, from a Caribbean culture and he was like lower class, like education wise, he didn't value the same things. So I didn't grow up in a household where it was like the traditional Spanish household where you're like having parties, having funds, having cousins and all like, I didn't have that. Um, I've seen it through friends, but I just, I was never accepted, like even in the own, my own family, um, wow. which I think may happen a lot uh, also, but I wasn't accepted in that way. And and then even the kids that were, I was around, like, they were like, you're not Dominican enough. Like you're like a chinita, you know, like your hair is like so straight and your eyes are a little chinky and you, you don't look Dominican. Um, and then the Peruvian were like, well, you're too curvy. Like you have a really, you know, like a big butt and like, that's not like a Peruvian body. <laughs> so it was like, okay, so what do you want from me? So, I mean, that's been honestly my experience. So I never, I never had a lot of Spanish friends because of never fitting in. And I was never like quite Spanish enough or Caribbean enough or South American enough. And even when I did, I do speak Spanish very well, read it and write it. Um, I, I could say like, even when I was like in, in other rooms with like other South American people, like Colombians, Argentinians, Ecuadorian, they would say like, oh, see, you know, um, you're such a great girl, but like an American, like you're not Latin, you're not like those Latinas, you're not, a, you're not that because you're, you're too strong, like your energy is too strong, like, you know, that's what's wrong with you American Latinas, you're not like the real Latinas, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> What is the real Latina? And when I was described to me, this even happened recently, like two years ago, I had studied some um, lymphatic drainage from like a Colombian, like one of the best Colombian instructors. And he was really sweet, but he was like, you know, you're just not like, he's like, no, tú no eres Latina. And I'm like, what? Like, explain to me, like, people ask me if I speak English sometimes, like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And he 
he's like, yeah, you're not submissive. You're not like, please, like trying to please the man. You're not like, you're like, everything is equal. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, that's American. Like our Latinas are not like that. And I was like, well, then I don't want to be your, like your Latinas. Yeah, right. <laughs> like my Latinas. <laughs> Oh, that's really sad too that they have this yeah. perception of what a Latina has to be, right? Yeah. Like has to be submissive, has to be this, has to be that. And I'm I hate it. I, think we <laughs> I hate all it. Do. Yeah, we all do. And it's so funny because I, I talk about this with my parents. I have a, like I'm like developing a really, really beautiful relationship with my parents now that I'm older because I'm like realizing I'm like, I need yeah. to like enjoy them, you know, like before yeah. anything happens. You should. And I was talking about this with them because I'm like, I have, I have like these two sides. Like my mom was all, was all about that. You know, I could cocina and yet te puedes casar, right? That's the thing that they say. Like yeah. when you make a good meal, it's like, okay, yet te puedes casar. Yes. But for them, for my mom, it was always like, I could limpiar, I could cocina, I could ser una esposa, I could mirarse oh, bien, like la belleza cuesta, which I know you talked about in your TED talk, yes. but all about beauty. And I like, like was like leaning toward that but then I'm like no I don't want to just be that and my dad was always the one that was like play soccer and you know like watch boxing with me or like he like had this whole different perception and he wanted more from me and he, he would always tell me that he's like you tiene que estudiar you have to like salir adelante you know have to do all these things for yourself get an education like yada yada and then I had these two sides pulling me right where I'm like is this what I'm supposed to do is be the housewife, be like la, la que limpia, la que cocina, la que se mira bella and all those things? Or am I this person that can just chill, watch boxing and soccer with my dad? And like, you know, like <laughs> I felt like I was not only my identity wise, yeah. where I was like navigating what I was, you know, in terms of culturally and, and what I identify as, but also like, what do I want to be? And I struggle with that still where I'm like, <sighs> like I do yeah. want to be that like powerhouse woman who has a career who has this who has that and then I have this other side pulling me I get casarse tener hijos and this and this and that and I'm just like uh. it's <laughs> I so always hard right I get stuck in that middle I'm like I don't know <laughs> I think I think uh so many women listening right now could resonate with what you're saying and maybe a little bit of what I'm saying because it is so hard because we are like a mesh especially like first generation like we still have strong ties to our heritage right like most of our parents didn't speak English <laughs> so we spoke Spanish and so like we're really I think rooted and we have these values that were like gave, given to us like through you know even the novellas that you watch like oh, that's what like, i grew up with girl is on glam like full glam and cooking and cleaning and mm -hmm. she's like she's just like superwoman like the ideal latina woman if you ever look at the novelas is in full glam superwoman she's like taking care of the kids she has this job she makes all this money sometimes um if not she's like kept she's like in shape like she never is under her hair is always done like i've always like I always thought as a child, like, how did she do her hair so quick? Like, I, I didn't understand, like, how it worked. I thought it was real life. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Like, she's cooking in her heels. Like, isn't that uncomfortable? And then she's, like, running into the car. Like, she's doing all these things. And she's, like, superwoman. So the idea that they have, like, I want to say implanted in us is so unreal that I think it affects us. Like, you know, I mentioned this on, on a different um I was talking somewhere and I mentioned like, you know, the Kim Kardashian body, it's not like a new thing for us Latinas. That, no, that's it's really not. For like, I want to say like maybe Our 70 years or a hundred years, like at least, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's not a new thing. And so we have been, um, and I talk about this a little bit as well in, in my talk that you mentioned, like beauty is pain and we're taught as little girls, like suck it up. You want to be beautiful? Duele. You know, like you have to be a woman. You're you, you're not going to get married. You know, you always get told you're not going to get married. Nobody's going to want you. Um, you. You can't go outside like that. Are you crazy? Suck your stomach in and sit up straight. And and like you're being told all these things and you're like not even five. <laughs> Girl, I just got triggered. I like stood up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Esa espalda. That's what I, that's my, I grew, I like grew up listening yes. to that all the time from my mom, mm -hmm. from my sister. Esa espalda. And I'd be like, Ugh. yeah, oh, <laughs> it was right? all about that. It's all about that. I want to, I want to talk about that though with you. You, I, I'm cheating here because usually I like don't know anything about the guests and I'm just kind of going mm -hmm. at it with curiosity. But for those listening, I actually listened to Elizabeth's TED talk where she talks about this. She talks about La Belleza Cuesta and her experience with beauty and, and being a warrior, a superwoman. Mm -hmm. I want to touch on that because I think you covered so many things in that TED Talk. And, you know, not that I want you to, you know, say it verbatim, what you said in that mm -hmm. TED Talk, because that's a whole experience that I want everybody to listen to. Yeah. Um, and it'll be included in the show notes. But for, for this purposes, like, I want to talk about that, La Belleza Cuesta, and how that affected you know, the situations you've been through. So starting with military school, girl, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, that's, that was like the best experience of my life. I can, I have to say the best, like, I wish I could go back. That's how great it was. Um, so my parents were getting divorced and my mom coming from, my mom in Peru went to like boarding school. She was always like in these elite schools. Like in, I don't know if it's like all South Americans or if it's just in Peru, but from my understanding, all Peruvians, um, and I think maybe Latinos in general, but I know for a fact, like I've been to so many other countries and I've never experienced it like this. Like in Peru, like you need like 10 masters or something. It's like very much about like your titles. And like, even in my mom's side of the family, it's like, well, I have a PhD and I have a master's and like, what was your GPA? And I'm like 3.7. They're like, really? That's it? And like this, there's like this very strong, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but just this really strong thing towards education. So my mom, like you could be the poorest person and your family were, will work really hard to put you like in the best school. So my mom was in really great schools, boarding schools. She went to summer away camp. So she had that experience and she wanted my brother and I to have that. So when my parents got divorced, she's like, it's messy. Like, I think the kids need stability. And so she sent my, bro my younger brother and I to a boarding school. And I, it was horrible in the beginning. But I quickly found my way. I mean, I had a lot of tools already that I was very resourceful. And I think in her, I'm going to call it her training, <laughs> like her Peruvian warrior training, I want to call it. Like she put me in like summer, like I went away for summer camps. Um, so it wasn't my first time being away from home. It was just very different because it was like about 300 students. Most of them were like, you know, European or Asian. Like most of them were kids of diplomats. It was like a lot of diplomat kids from like, um, you know, all different countries, um, ambassador sons and all these things. And like, like maybe like three or four Latinos, like literally like that was wow. it. Yeah. Including you and your brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one other one, <laughs> one other one. Right. And so, I mean, I guess that's where I started getting my, like you're American kind of thing from there, you know, mm -hmm. Makes um, sense. So yeah. Yeah, but I think in in military school there's a lot of I want to I I relate everything to beauty. There was a lot of like struggle, like structure, stand up straight, like a lot of the things that we're told as mm -hmm. girls in in our culture. I think apply to the military. I know it's crazy, That's but crazy. like <laughs> yeah, like discipline. Get up early because you need to have your hair done and all this stuff. It's the same. Get up early. You need to have your uniform ready. Your shoes shined. Like. I think I was prepared for the school because of the strict like beauty regimens that I think we as a culture do without even thinking. I like literally have so many flashbacks to like, <laughs> to, like <laughs> me. It's so funny because if you see pictures of me in, in elementary school, you would just not imagine that being a child because I would wear like my mom would make me crop tops and she made me high waisted pants. Like that's how no I Selena walking around like that was me. <laughs> Yes, girl. I need to pull up these pictures because it's so funny. And then you I remember this is something I don't typically share a lot, but like I remember going through a period where I was overweight. And I went from that like skinny girl always wearing like the high-waisted pants and like the crop tops to me being so shameful of my body and me hiding away and going through just like like a lot of insecurity. And I didn't know I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel like 
I like belonged. I was like, how did Mm -hmm. this happen? And then I've always had struggles with beauty and body always. Even right now I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm really happy where I'm at. I feel myself. I feel like so confident in my skin. And like, that's the first time that's the first I've ever been able to say that. But still there's always this, this person in the back of my head, my inner critic that just like myself. And it's just like, you're not enough yet. Like keep going, keep working on this, keep working on that. And it's just like never satisfied, which I think a lot of first generation, not just with beauty, but we always feel never satisfied. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, Oh my God. You, you said some things there. So many things, so many triggering things. I definitely on the body thing, obviously like I started modeling at the age of five. So I was literally picked apart. Like at a very young age, I understood what a face structure was, like what was wrong with me according to like, you know, people who were casting me like, Oh, her nose is not this, or her lips might be too big for, you know, back then lips were not a thing. (laughs) And I had like really strong features and it was like, Oh, well, you know, so I understood when I went into a classroom at the age of five, I could look at all my little girls around me and I'm like, Oh, you know, they would probably cast her because like, that was my, so I was very aware of it and body. So I totally get it. Plus I want to keep on saying our culture because I feel like no one really talks about the pressures of being a Latin woman and the expectations of our body and image. And that comes with um, like poverty, right? Like sometimes it's a ticket to being married to somebody who can take care of you. Like your worth is literally in society, your body and your face. Um, And that's why we have so many women getting plastic surgeries. Women are dying like all over Latin America every day. If you if you read those papers, like they're dying, getting these surgeries because they want to feel valued. Um, So like that's already like something that we come with. But then when we come here as a first gen, um, all of that plus compounding, like not being enough. Right. Like you're not you're not speaking English enough. You're not speaking Spanish enough. You need to learn French. You need to learn Portuguese. You, like you just want to keep on trying and trying. And if I what I've seen, I don't know about you because I feel like you interview a lot of maybe more um people who would have more insight, but like every single first generation Latin, in particular women, not necessarily men, but women, because I think we're such overachievers. We have that like superwoman, like we have to be, like it's not even a choice. Like we have to be. We have to be. We are that and we need to, we need to, we need to do it like every day. Like there's just no option. Like there's no, I feel like such a strong woman as like, we just feel like we want to do, we have to do everything. We have to cook. We have to clean. We have to work. We have to provide. We have to have the kids. We have to look good. We're going to shovel the snow. We're going to, we're just going to do it all. (laughs) So exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. So, so to top it off, like we all, every single woman that I've met, that's a first generation Latina. And there aren't that many because like I said, I don't have that many, but the few that I've met, every single one has like three degrees, speaks several languages, is like, has like a ton of skills. And I'm like, oh my God, you're just like me. Like we are like the same. And I realize it's that feeling of like not feeling enough. I'm not enough. I need to speak more languages. I need to, I need to have more degrees under my belt. I need to have like, I need to do more because we're always proving ourselves because we didn't, we never had that much value because they always say like, I don't know if you've heard like, oh, mamita, you're, you're too old already. You're 23. I, you know, like I told, I remember one time I was a little older and I had another person tell me, you're young. Um, Agradecele a Dios que tú vives en Estados Unidos. And I'm like, what does that mean? Agradecele a Dios. Like, thank God, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, because if you were in Peru or like in South America, tú eres como una abuela. You're so old. I'm like, what? Yeah, like by 23, you're done. And so that's, can you imagine like all the women feeling like after 23, like I'm done. 25 years old, I'm a grandma. 30 years old, I'm like, ancient history so that that what you said about like the body like even myself like right now i'm not at my best weight um it has to do with hormones and allergies and inflammation but i know that and i'm also telling myself and i feel i've I've never felt better um do i love it no (laughs) i can't fit in my favorite clothes but i know that that it's just for a temporary time but that speaking to myself every day and telling myself that it's a lot of work 
I'm not going to lie and say, oh, it's all rainbows and butterflies because that's what I preach about, like accepting yourself and being standing in your light, being this warrior and beauty is pain, but like also understanding where it comes from, understanding the why. That's my message. Like if you understand your why, you're going to get through it all. Mm. Yep. I like snaps to that girl snaps because (laughs) I'm like now I'm thinking about all the triggers, right? Like that's why I think when what's going on right now in the beauty industry for me is really interesting. Like Kim Kardashian started this movement where like now everybody's getting, you know, plastic surgery and more hips and more and more curves. Well, in America, in America, in America. And I just think back to like, in my household, being curvy was it, right? Like you need to be curvy. I get the net, you know, tu cadera. And like, I mean, our whole dance is like pura cadera. (laughs) Like if we, our dances are all about moving the hips. So like for us in my culture and our cultures, I mean, you know, like for me, it was like, yeah, you need to have curves. Like that's, that's a Latina body. Mm-hmm. That's like birthing hips too. Like that's a whole other thing, but like, yeah, I was going to say that at the same time, like I would leave school or sorry, I would leave home, go to school. And it was like, I was ashamed of my curves and I would hide it. And I even went into corporate spaces where I had to hide it or like work where I had to hide my curves. And now it's like, that's that's what America's striving for is like the fake curves. And I'm just like, hold up. I went through so much trauma with my curves. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, you what? sound like me. Yeah, girl. Like my whole life, I try to make the thighs slimmer and the hips go away. Girl, I had some thunder. And it's so funny, you know, talking about our families because I had thunder thighs my whole life, like whole life, probably still do. <laughs> Can you see me raising my hand? <laughs> But now it's so funny. Like this is another part of trauma, right? Like I'm losing weight, not like crazy. Like I'm I'm at a good place in my life, and I'm not going by like what this chart says I'm supposed to be at. Like I'm going based mm-hmm. on my feeling. Like how do I feel in my body? And it's so funny because my tia came over, and she was like, "Pero niñas también flaca." But before they would call me gorda, so I'm like, "Y'all are never satisfied." Like this is part of like yeah. <laughs> this is part of our like trauma of like feeling not enough in our bodies we're either estamos gordas or estamos like a little too thick but now you're too skinny like the fuiste muy lejos you know like they're they're always you're always never going to be accepted because you're always criticized right for more like being more like not being enough and so I, that's why i feel like that trauma lives within us too and we're never satisfied and like although we're happy i preach the same thing like living loving your body and taking mm-hmm. care of it and feeding it the right things and still enjoying your your comida andreña or your comida latina every now and then, you know, mm-hmm. and like mixing it in your foods. Like I'm all about that. But at the same time, there are like some moments where I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I, I am losing my curves or I need to like eat more or I need to stop eating or I need to. And there's always this like dance, right? Of yeah. like loving your body, but also it's not enough yet. <laughs> I totally feel you. When I get like when I get really small, like my butt and like everything goes away. Like people cannot even imagine like they're like, wait, ha- what happened here? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people will be like, oh, your butt is fake because it's like, it's a big butt. <laughs> I'm just going to say what it is. But then when I lose weight, it, it it's like everything shrinks, right? Because like it's, that's how it works, right? Like you yeah. lose weight. It's, all, it's pure fat. Like it's that's fat. fat. so big. <laughs> <laughs> It's all the food. Yeah. Yeah. So fat goes and that goes. And they're like, at first I thought it was fake. But now that you lost so much weight, it's real. It's so incredible how you could just inflate and deflate. And I'm just like, that's not, (laughs) that's not appropriate. You don't tell them that. No. Yeah. So I could relate to you. Yeah. And I mean, going off, so I think we're kind of segueing into our, our last segment, which is our cafecito and cheese, where you talk about where you're at now and all the things that you're doing. You didn't touch so much on like the, the military school and what happened after, but we can talk about yes. how it relates to what you're doing now. I'm sorry. I'm like, wh- which part of it? Because I get so excited and you have to give oh. me like more prompts, like interrupt me, like wave your hand. Like, and like hello. <laughs> Our conversation is so good, though. We're just like, (laughs) we're just talking about all like these facts. But yeah, let's talk about where you're at now and how that bridge between military school and then where you're at now. Yeah. So um, where I'm at now, I, you know, I'm still a model. 
I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm a speaker in general where I talk about um, different things of empowering women. Um, I have many different things that I talk about. I was I was like really known in the pharma industry where I was like like the best in sales. So I do a lot of things in that in that terms in in terms of like helping companies grow, um, like strategizing for their companies because I'm I'm I think it's like my Latina I don't know my warrior that I can just like see what's going on and how to fix it like really quickly. So I'm really great at that. But I have a beauty company called the Molina Glow, where um, we do like specific kinds of facials that basically it looks like you have on permanent makeup, not permanent makeup, but like you have on makeup on your face, but you have nothing and your skin is just really beautiful. Um, and I'm working on like some, a line as well, like a health, like a wellness conscious beauty kind of line, very like clean, um, sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. Like all, you know, non-GMO gluten-free, all that kind of stuff. And I guess, you know, just correlating it back to my military school and the discipline and like my TED, um, all of it revolves around beauty, right? Uh, for me, beauty, like I always said, beauty is pain. And I was, like I said, I was a model. I was, uh, married at 16, engaged, I'm sorry, engaged at 16, married at 18, had a kid at 18, divorced by 21. I was, um, kidnapped by my ex-husband to another country. I escaped. And like two days after I, I was able to come back to the States, not two days after the kidnapping, but like it, that was six months. But when I was able to come back to the States, two days after I was, um, I went to college and I said, I'm going to be a doctor. I registered biochemistry, um, graduated with two majors. <laughs> Those oh. are my dogs. So sorry. <laughs> Graduated with two majors, two minors. <laughs> so sorry, Amazon. Amazon. Um, <laughs> and I've I've modeled ever since. Um, in between, I was always in beauty and fashion <laughs> and wellness. Girl, I can relate. I can relate. My dogs, if they were here, they'd be the same way. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's like a package and the guy, I'm, I put a sign like, do not ring the doorbell. So I guess he's like touching, the, <laughs> touching the thing. Cause like, I knew we were going to be recording and I'm, and I'm like, do not like, and I think yeah. he still did. So, the dog is not happy. <laughs> so I'm so sorry about that. No, no, you're good. That's authenticity right there. We're leaving that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if he'll be quiet. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I got into medical school. Um, it was really hard as a single mom to you know, do it all. So I went into pharma, but I always had a passion for beauty. I, I was like the best in my company and people would follow me around. Like the company would have like marketers follow me around and figure out what it is that she's doing that she's so great. Like what I would do in a week would take them like the rest of the company eight months. And they're like, what is she doing? And she's in New York. It's a really tough, um, you know, market. Like let's follow her around. And they're like, she doesn't even talk about the product. She doesn't even talk about these things. She's talking about beauty. She's giving them beauty tips. Like I'm in, you know, a surgical room and the doctor's like, you know, infusing somebody's spine and I'm talking about beauty tips. Right. <laughs> so I found that like, I had a passion, like I was great at sales and I knew all the science, right? Because that was my background and I was passionate about it because like we spoke about how we have so many talents. Um, but I was just so passionate about beauty and I'm like, I need to start doing this. And I started getting clients where I mentor, you know, um, do one-on-one -on -one coaching with them in terms of their goals. And I don't, I don't love calling it like a beauty coaching because it's more than that. I look at beauty like holistically, like there are different um, aspects to beauty and what makes you beautiful. And, you know, I started coaching a lot of CEOs, people that were talking and people that you would never even think about, like even men, like NFL players, you're like, they're getting beauty coaching. So I didn't know what to call it um, because, it, it, and I didn't want to say life coach because I feel like that's a little overrated, right? Like life coach and health coach and all these things. And so really it was like a holistic way of looking at beauty and Every single person, I don't know, I don't care who you are, if you're listening right now, beauty is a part of your life, right? If you put something on that you like, that's beauty. If you're drinking something that looks beautiful, that's beauty. Uh, if you have a nice car, that's beauty. If you like decorating your home, that's beauty. Um, it's not just makeup, hair, and lashes, and nails. And so I found as I was doing all these engagements and talking to all these big CEOs, they were just so prepared with everything. Like they were just like scientists 
But at the end of the day, they would get nervous because they didn't like how they looked. They didn't like what they were wearing. They didn't like how they were feeling. And they were like, it's so crazy because I'm so established. I'm so accomplished, but I'm missing something. And I think it's the beauty. I don't want to sound shallow. So I started having a lot of clients that I work with one-on-one. So that's a little bit about what I do. I'm not sure if I, like the dogs threw me off here. I'm like, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, Girl, so that's no. kind of what I'm doing. I love it. I love it because <laughs> I, that's such an interesting concept that I don't think, I don't, I've never heard anyone talk about it. So for me, you're like, you're like a trailblazer right now. I'm like, oh my God, like this is so accurate because if you don't feel confident, like if you're not, and and people don't talk about that either, like the things that you wear, the things that you put on, it all adds to you, right? It all adds to who you are. Like for me, mis anillos, like my rings are everything. Like they're part of me. Like that's, (laughs) I'm like, my rings are are a part of me. Like I have to put my rings on and I have hella because I'm like, they represent who I am. And each of these rings has a story. Like I can tell you a story about each of these rings jewelry for me is big and like the clothes that I wear and like, et cetera, et cetera. But no one talks about how those things make you feel. I'm like, it's, it's, yeah, it's accessories, but it makes me feel the type of way. But also I think for these speakers who are super well-established and have great titles, but they're like nervous or they're not prepared because they don't feel confident. That has been a big, big thing for me. And that's why I love fitness so much now because I'm realizing how it makes me feel. It makes me feel more confident. And I never, ever felt as more confident than I do right now because I'm like loving and nurturing my body. <laughs> and that's something it. that no one talks about. And I like don't even talk about it as often as I want to. But I'm like, that's for me, this is like such a new concept that I'm like so happy someone's doing it because this is like topics that we should all consider because we all feel it. We're all human. We all go through moments where we don't feel as confident. <laughs> yeah. And and more than you know. And so, yeah, so that's part of the work that I do. I also, I get into deeper work with some of my my, uh, like my clients, depending on where they're at, like in terms of spiritual work, shadow work, working on their triggers, childhood traumas, and how I use beauty as a gateway to self-love. And if you are in the state of love, then you are in your full power and you can show up and be like the biggest, most impactful person you can be. And so a lot of times people hide behind the beauty, like you said, that there are people who work out excessively because they're hiding behind something. People that buy way too many cars because they can, but they're hiding behind something. So like I, that's why I use beauty as a tool. It's not just like, you know, for helping, it's also identifying. So like if let's say like you're only, you're only wearing rings all the time and like you're just obsessed with getting rings, that there's something that says about you and maybe you want to dig a little deeper. So I always use it as the key to like, start getting into your soul and how can we help you come out of that and just be stronger girl we're gonna have we're gonna have to talk after this offline (laughs) no that's so beautiful that's so beautiful and i love that you do that and i know i want to ask you one quick question before we wrap up but this is kind of random but i just thought about it but you you have a daughter right from what i heard in your ted talk So I'm so curious how it's like for you to raise a second generation Latina. Oh my God, what a question. It is very challenging because I want, that's such a good, no one's ever asked me this question. Um, I want her to know like Spanish. I want her to like, she doesn't like dance Spanish. Like I can I can dance like you would not imagine. Like I'm just like very reserved, very poised. And then like if you get me in there, you're like, holy, sh-. like where did she come from? And bachata from? Like, comes on, and you're like, <laughs> no, yeah, merengue, bachata, salsa, like anything, right? Um, I also I, I did um, ballroom dancing as a child, so I'm really good with mambo. So like I can move my hips, right? Like <laughs> I don't just have them; I know how to work them too. So I'm like, I want her to be that, like not to be that, but like just to to know it, to be able to do it. And she's like not interested in it. She's like, no, mom, I'm okay. I'm like, Ellie, let's watch. Her name is Ellie. I'm like, let's watch, you know, Spanish shows, you know, so we can like practice and like you can hear the vocabulary. She's like, mom, but we're in America. Like when we go there, we can listen to that, but we're here and we speak English here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what do I do? 
Um, so it's very challenging because I want her, and again, this comes from like the enough, like I want her to be prepared for life. I want her to have those things in her tool belt. I want her to like feel comfortable because she doesn't look American, right? Um, she doesn't. She, her father is Dominican, so she looks more Caribbean. So it's not like she's going to look American. And so like, I, I want her to like, if she walk, walks into a room with other Latinos or Hispanics, that she feels comfortable, like she can, the food, the, the music. And I feel like she can't do that and she doesn't want to do that. So it's very challenging for me because I'm like, part of me is like, I just want to give her the tools to like, just succeed everywhere and you just can't force your kids. So I just, you know, I just try my best. So that's my best answer, but that you caught me off guard there. Oh my God. Oh, I didn't mean to. I was just like curious. Cause I'm like, Oh my no. God, like first generation women, we're going to go through it. Like we're going to go through it at some point. And I'm just curious like yeah. what your experience was so it can help other people either yeah, preparing totally. for that or just like in it already. And they're just like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's wrap up. Oh my God. I love this conversation so much. You don't even know. Like we just like <laughs> straight facts, like the whole way through. But I want to, before we do our closing, I'd love to ask like, how can people connect with you if they want to follow your work, if they want to see what you do, um, if they want to be your friend, like <laughs> what's the best way to connect with you? Totally. Thank you so much. I really had a lot of fun. I, I don't always have this much fun I just, it literally just feels like we're having like cafecito, right? I mean, I have tea. Cafecito and cheese, man. Yeah. Girl, I have my same. cafecito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel, it feels so nice. So people can connect with me. I'm most active on Instagram, which is Elizabeth underscore underscore Molina. Or I've recently have gone down the rabbit hole of Clubhouse. It's so easy to do that. that. I've, that's me right now. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, you can find me there at Elizabeth Molina. And my website is elizabethmolinainc.com. You can see some of my work. And if you're interested in any of the beauty stuff, that there's another website there, um, themolinaglow.com. Um, and yeah, those are all my handles. And you can find me on either, all of those. But DM me. I'm always available to chat and to, I don't know, help anyone. Love it. And let's do our closing. And this part is always my favorite. Um, it's a little brindis with our cafecito rebranding. Okay. <laughs> um, but let's close with the virtual cheers. And what we do here is I give you an opportunity to say what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our Latino community. I want to, I'm going to bring my little cup. Um, I'm going to cheers to all the new creative outlets that we are kind of like coming out through and on, I guess I want to say. I feel like there's a big change and I'm really excited. So I want to cheers to like our community, like just coming out with all of our creativity because we have so much to offer and we haven't been able to do it. So I want to cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Salud. I'm like branding Salud. over here and you are too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mine is just I love it though. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much. This conversation was honestly so bomb. And I hope, I know you had fun, you just said it, but I had a lot of fun too. <laughs> hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Make sure to connect with Elizabeth on IG at Elizabeth underscore Molina. Find her on LinkedIn and check out her website, ElizabethMolinaInc.com. See y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. Connect with me on Instagram at ojasmine with four A's, Twitter at Jasmine, and find me on LinkedIn. And check out my website, odalisjasmine.com and browse around for some Cafecito and Chisme mugs. Con mucho amor, amigo hondureña. And stick around to hear from my sponsor and partner, Chris Gates, co-founder of Ryzen. Gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, RiseOn. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, RiseOn is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. 
Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on.